friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. To another episode of Crickets to Cha-Chings. My name is Lauren, and today with me on the podcast, I have Carrie Fitzgerald of CarrieFitzgerald.com, and I'm really excited to talk to her about some specific areas of expertise that she has that I think will be really valuable for you. So welcome, Carrie. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah. So before we jump in, can you kind of give people your little spiel of who you are and what you do now and also how you got to where you are now? Sure. So again, my name is Carrie Fitzgerald and I am an e-commerce and product-based business coach, mentor, educator. I like to help female-owned brands really build wildly obsessed customer super fans. And I help them do that through creating a really awesome customer experience, really driving the importance of customer loyalty, and just creating a brand that customers are literally just obsessed with. And everything I do stems from organic marketing that doesn't involve any advertising and things like that. I live in Seattle. I'm a boy mom, dog mom. I'm obsessed with coffee and hot sauce and dogs. And how I got to where I am, I started my first product-based business about seven years ago, right around the day, actually. An idea popped into my head while I was at the gym and I was like, I want to start a pet e-commerce and subscription box business. And I had left like a career in marketing. I moved across the country for my husband's job. And I was like, all right, I just had a baby. I was like, kind of want to do something different, something new. So I decided that starting a business was the smartest decision, which probably was not, but (laughs) that's what it is. Yeah, I did that for three years. I built up a business called the Dapper Dog Box. It was a high-end e-commerce online store and product-based business. We had a subscription service and built that up. No advertising. We did about close to half a million in sales in about three years without advertising, staff, support. I really, really, really leverage the power of community and I leverage my customers. How do I get my customers to buy more? How do I get my customers to come back again and again? How do I get them to shout my brand from the rooftops, refer their friends, all that kind of stuff? And then after three years, I sold the business, which I really consider like my greatest business moment so far. And then about a year later, I decided I wanted to move into this business, what I'm doing now, which is more of like the coaching and mentorship. So I have a lot of courses, educational programs that help people either start their product-based business or grow their product-based business. And I kind of go between the two because I love helping people get started. Because when I had my business, I'm not sure how you know it was for you, Lauren, but like I didn't have a coach. I didn't have a course. I didn't have a membership. I just had to figure out everything on my own. And I wasted a lot of money. I stressed myself out. There was a lot of tears. And I always thought, you know what? Like, I want to help other people not have to go through the same garbage that I had to go through when you don't have to. Like, there's so many options for you. So that is where I'm at today. So yeah, no, I think it's really cool. I think it's a really, I already knew most of your story from just being connected online, but I think it's a really interesting and like really cool sort of full circle of being able to just start a business and then like you said, sell it. And I would imagine that that was kind of surreal to think of. It's like birthing a baby, like out into the world and then sending it off on its own. (laughs) 
<laughs> it really is. It's like I have obviously a human baby, but I started my business when he was six months old. So I do feel like it was kind of like its own little baby. And it's true. Like I think the difference with product versus like if you're a coach or, you know, a service-based business, like with physical product, there's a different connection to it because you're, you know, it's arriving at your doorstep and pallets or boxes, like you have to ship it to customers. You're so intertwined with that physical product. And it does kind of feel like a baby. And it was weird when I sold the business, but honestly, I've never felt such the moment I got like the escrow payment that came through. I was like, oh my God, I'm free. I don't have to do this business anymore. (laughs) I was just so ready to like do something else. I loved it, but like it was time for me. And that moment was like, I can, it feels like it was yesterday. It was four years ago. And it was like, this just this awesome moment of just like, okay, I don't have to ship inventory anymore. I don't have to live at the post office. Life is good. So yeah. So can you kind of talk to us a little bit about what that journey was like in the process? Because I think it's really easy. Like I noticed even just in what you said of like, you know, started this business and three or four years later, I can't remember what you said, sold it and, you know, life is grand, but like then made reference to, you know, the stress and the tears and the overwhelm and everything of growing it in the middle, like that middle period, that's really easy to gloss over. So like, how did you go into it? Or like, what was your, I guess, goal going into it? And then it obviously grew a lot, probably faster than you expected. Talk to me a little bit about that journey, that process. Yeah. And I'm laughing too, because I totally did gloss over and it was like, Oh, it was so easy. I just grew the business and I sold it. And that's not the case at all. And you know, people like Lauren and I both are out here to help people that are listening that it's not easy to grow a business, but like you can do it and we have resources to kind of help you. But yeah, it was not easy. It was very stressful to say the least. I started the business with a background in marketing. I had been in corporate marketing and sales. I actually sold educational. I traveled the world and like sold educational programs to international students. And so I definitely had a background in marketing and like I understand how to sell things But having a product business was a nude thing. And I remember texting my best friend before I launched it. I was like, oh yeah, like this is going to be easy. I'm such a dog person. I know how to sell dog stuff. And my background in marketing, like this should be so easy for me. And you know, like nothing could have been further from the truth. I always look back at that moment as like, you were so naive, like naive girl right there. But yeah, it was definitely a journey, a learning um, curve. I had no experience in the e-commerce product-based world. So everything was like figuring it out, making mistakes, Googling. I spent so much time Googling stuff, trying to piece things together. Yeah. Like it took about a year to get some traction. The first year was not great. I didn't do advertising. I basically created a brand that I thought, okay, my packaging is very visually appealing. It was like this lavender packaging with a beautiful like dog logo on it. And, you know, I thought, My packaging looks really good. I have really colorful curated products that I'm sending out to customers each month. Like I know that this is going to connect on social media. And my ideal customer was someone who is very interested in like trendy things for their dogs, high quality things. So I kind of like connected the dots early on. And I thought, okay, I'm going to kind of niche down and focus on like a couple of dog breed owners. Corgis, Golden Retrievers were two of them. I know that people spend a good amount of money on these breeds. They love them. They're obsessed with them. And 
when I lived in California at the time and corgis were like, are just a really popular breed then. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to kind of double down on these dog breeds. I'm going to try to like market my product to these people online. I'm going to make my social media super fun and engaging and colorful. And I, I kind of like saw early on that that was working for me in the business. Social media definitely worked. I had a beautiful looking product and like people just kind of gravitated towards that. And then I would really encourage my customers to post pictures of their product each month. And I noticed like, okay, when customers are posting photos of the product, it's getting in front of their friends and family, and then I'm getting more orders. And I kind of like, and again, I had no experience in any of this kind of stuff. So it was a lot of like those, like, you know, like those light bulb moments where you figure those little things out. You're like, oh, okay. Like when my customers post for me, I get more sales and it makes sense now, like obvious, but At the time, I didn't really know. It was just everything was like experimenting and trying new things. And so I learned early on that like my customers were sort of like a catalyst for me to get more sales. How do I involve them more? How do I get them more involved in the brand? And so I started hosting like a monthly photo contest where every month I would choose a couple winners and they would get a free box of like goodies for their dog. But they had to post something on Instagram or Facebook And that sort of took off for me. That was a huge avenue for me to get people to not only like feel connected to the brand because they would win a product, like they would win a prize and I would make a big deal about it every single month, but it would get the product in front of their audiences. And that was like the secret sauce right there. So just kind of doing things like that, like involving my customers, making them feel special on social media. Like I took a lot of time to always comment on everyone's things if any of the people like tagged me in any images or stories, I would always respond back. Just be like, thank you for being a part of our family. Like I really, really, really worked hard to make people feel like they were part of something bigger. And that stuff really worked for me. Like I can say that those two things right there were huge ways that I was able to grow my business. I got people to refer friends and family through a referral program And just kind of like showing up scrappy and figuring things out. And then after, and I can kind of stop if you want me to stop at any time. After like a year, I started getting into SEO and affiliate marketing. And then those were like two other things. I started creating blog content that spoke to my ideal customer, like those dog owners. And quickly started getting blog posts that were getting like 20,000 hits of traffic each year. I want to interrupt you for just a second because <laughs> I just want to like kind of reiterate some of the points that you hit on, like some things that as you're telling the story, I really notice. First off, I like your confidence of <laughs> uh, saying like, oh, it's going to be so easy. <laughs> I know I was ridiculous. No, but I always tell people like I have so many, and I'm sure you do too, have so many people that come to you and they're like, I just don't know if I can do it. I don't know. I'm like nervous, blah, blah, blah. I was like the opposite. Like I was like, if these people can do it, I can do it. It'll be fine. (laughs) So we did. Yeah. So I think that that is, it's like really important. You know, I mean, obviously it's really important to believe that the opportunity is there and that you can do it. But then I also think like the overarching thing of hearing you talk about sort of the connection on social media and how all of that came about organically is and I think that this is true for everybody that's listening is like doing something first off, having the willingness to try something and like, you don't know, you know, I mean, this could be five years later and you're talking about how this whole thing tanked and it didn't work. And that's fine too. 
you know, like the willingness to try something, not knowing the outcome and not knowing whether it's going to be the thing that makes it all take off, but also then like sort of systematically looking at how well is this working and then how do I expand on those results so that it can continue to grow versus like, you know, maybe you do it the first month and you're like, oh, well, only five people submitted pictures. Well, that obviously didn't work very well. I'm going to go on to the next thing, you know, but to stick with something and try it and give it a fair shake, but then also be able to say, well, I noticed that when people are tagging me on Instagram and then their friends are ordering or, you know, my sales are increasing and stuff and being able to put that together. Cause there are a lot of people I feel like that will be like, you know, I don't know, sometimes things work and they don't, and I don't really know what's working and what's not, but the ability to look at, you know, what you're doing and kind of analyze, like, where are the things also in an unemotional way, like where are the things working, where are the things not working and how can I shift my focus to make sure that I'm like digging in deeper to the things that are working. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I just want to also just comment, like, definitely not giving up after the first try. Like, I agree with you. So many people are like, Carrie, I send one email out and I didn't get any sales. Email marketing does not work for me. And I'm like, it does work. Send emails for a whole year and then complain to me that it's not working for you. You know, like, I think people give up too quickly often. And I think it's not their fault. Sometimes I think they see other people, you know, Susan's brand or Karen's brand, they're like, oh my God, they're killing it everywhere. Because Susan's brand is posting on social media how much sales they made last month, but no one knows how much profit they make. No one knows like all the different things that are actually happening. And I think it's easy for people to look at other people and say, oh, well, it's working so well for them, but it's not working for me. And like, I'm going to give up after one month or something. So I think that's so important to like, keep trying, keep iterating. Like you have to look at your numbers and analytics and you pivot when like, okay, it's not working after six months. Okay, cool. Well, what could you do differently? Have you studied successful people? What are they doing? What are the small things that they're doing and how maybe you could tweak your thing to, you know, work like that or something. So yeah, I wholly agree with you. And I think that it's really important to you. Like I hear this in what you're saying and I see it too, is like that you've got to stick with something like you've got to give it a shot. That's not just like a one-off thing or even like a week or a month or whatever, but like, you know, and and different people are going to have a different tolerance for how long they can stick with something if they really don't feel like it's working. But, you know, I have people frequently, and I'm sure you do too, that it's like, I posted on social media and then I spent, you know, two days doing Pinterest stuff. And then I sent one email and like, nothing's working and nothing's growing. And it's like, but you're only, you know, like you're sending one email and then six months later, you're sending a second email. Like you don't know if it's working or not. And like, Mm -hmm. if you don't stick with it consistently, you are literally just wasting your time because you're not going to get any success the first, you know, second out of the gate. So in that case, like if you're not going to stick with it, you might as well just not do it at all because it is just a waste of time. Not to say that any of those strategies are a waste of time because they're not really, but the consistency there is the most important part of it. No, I agree with you about the consistency. And I also think too, like one of my students one time said this to me and I, at first I didn't quite get it, but then it clicked in my head over time. But she was like, I started on TikTok and you know, I listened to Gary Vee and he said, you should be posting on TikTok like 10 times a day. And I remember when she told me that I was like, Oh, I'm not freaking posting on TikTok 10 times a day. That's like, that seems stupid. That's a waste of time. 
And then I realized like a little while later, like he's not telling you to post on TikTok 10 times a day for like the sake of it. He's telling you to do that when you first get started so you can learn the platform, so you can figure out how to work it. Like you can figure out what you like creating on TikTok or like what's working on TikTok, not just to post for posting sake, you know, that has stuck with me for like two years now. And this girl has like blown up on TikTok, by the way, (laughs) she has like 200,000 followers, but like you have to try if it's email marketing, like you have to send an email once a week and just look at your numbers. How many people open this one? Like, oh, wow, this email got 70% open rate. And like, that means your subject line's working well. Like, how can I kind of incorporate that on the other time? So I think like consistency is part of it too, but like also like looking at your numbers, looking at your analytics and making data-driven decisions, not making decisions like, oh, I feel like email isn't working for me. When you actually haven't spent a moment of your time looking at your analytics and Klaviyo to look at like, okay, well, if no one's opening my email, maybe I should work on improving my subject lines, you know? So. Yeah, no, I think that's a really important, a really important point. And I love analytics to begin with, but I am really big on tracking those things because like I have like spreadsheets and stuff because I think it's really easy to say, I think it's really easy when you have slow growth, which most of us will have, you know, kind of consistently slow-ish growth, (laughs) even if it's continuing to grow, you know, like I would actually argue that that's probably a healthier way to grow is kind of like consistently and slow, but still growing. Mm -hmm. But it's really easy then to forget like where you came from with that. And so you're like, oh, my social media following is not growing at all. And then, cause you just kind of like, don't really notice it. Like it just is there consistently having sort of this slow burn But yeah, I think that those are all really good points. And I think that it is also like just a reminder for people, really important to kind of find that angle that you also enjoy, because if you're doing something that I would especially say that this is true, I think on social media, like I am not on TikTok and I, I mean, never say never, but like I have absolutely no intention of being on TikTok for my business because I refuse to be on TikTok. Like I don't enjoy the platform. I don't want to do it. And so for me, like that would be something that I would have to force myself to be consistent with because I don't enjoy it at all. Whereas I like Instagram a lot better. There are, you know, obviously people that are completely the opposite or whatever. But if you have to like force yourself to use a platform, it's always going to be so much harder for you to be engaged and consistent with it because it's like not an organic enjoyment in any part of your life. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm with you. I don't know. I kind of like TikTok. I'm on TikTok, but like I'm not consistent at all. But I also, I'm not like, oh, TikTok is going to grow my business. And, you know, like I just kind of am on there for fun almost. And I like to try, but it's definitely not for everyone. And it feels very cringy a lot of the time. (laughs) I'm like, what are people doing? It's so weird. It's so weird. Embarrassment is so bad. Yeah. So I would also kind of like for you to, circling back around, (laughs) we went off on a social media tangent, but kind of talk about the idea of like growing this really passionate cult-like following of, you know, buyers who are more engaged than just like buying from you and then they never think about you ever again. But like really having 
an experience where they feel a connection with you as a brand. Yeah, absolutely. So I think like a few things that people can do to really cultivate this one, like a connection with your audience. It's not just about sending a product out because we're not Amazon. You know, we are building humanized brands that we want people to feel connected to. We're not building like a faceless brand. So I think creating connection, creating community, and just like getting people, encouraging them to kind of come back to you. So a few things that people can do are one, when you send product out, you know, how can you kind of spice up the packaging a little bit, whether it's a fun box that's printed, a fun poly mailer, a really nice insert inside that kind of says, hey, like with a picture of you, like I would encourage you, I know putting a face on things is scary, but like we want to humanize your brand. When someone gets your package in the mail and they see a human face, you instantly go from being a faceless brand, like an Amazon package to like, oh, this is an like an actual human has taken the time to put this thing together for me. And that kind of changes the game for people. Once someone views you as a person and not like a business, they're much less likely to write a nasty review about you. They're less likely to send you a nasty email because you've suddenly become like that mom that lives on their street. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's a really, really, really important thing that I really always encourage people to look at is like, how can I kind of level up packaging a little bit and make it feel one, like more humanized and two, a bit more fun. So when people do get the package in the mail, they whip out their phone and post on Instagram stories like, oh my gosh, I just got this package in the mail. Like I got a baby blanket. It is so beautiful. Like I love the box or whatever. And I think the second thing is inviting your customers to be part of your brand. And this is like I mentioned with what I did for my business, the Dapper Dog Box. I heavily, heavily, heavily did this. So a couple of things you can do are one, in your packaging, again, I'm gonna, I always talk about packaging a lot because I just love it. But in your inserts that you put in the packaging, like a little postcard or something like that, like tell people, hey, go take a picture of your product and post it on whatever platform you have the most community on. If that's Instagram, if that's TikTok, I would say one of the two are the most obvious choices because you want people to be posting on places where you can like respond to them. And like ask them, we want to see pictures of you wearing the product. We want to see pictures of you holding your new blanket. I don't know why I keep talking about blankets and things like that. And then the second thing that you can do within that realm is your post-purchase email sequences. These are really, really important because you can basically set up an automation where every time someone buys a product from you, they get a series of emails that go out. So this is what I find that most people completely skip over you might have an email that goes out, which is the, for like my Shopify people, it's like the order confirmation email. That's like, thanks for your order. I think on Etsy, you can kind of do the same thing, but like, I'm talking about emails that go out one to two to three weeks after like the span of like a few weeks after they order from you, where you're inviting your customer to be part of the brand and you're asking them to do things for you. So for one, like sending an email out, right away that says, Oh my gosh, like, how can you make them feel part of your brand right there? So a really fun email that showcases your brand's personality, a picture of something fun. That's like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for ordering from me. Like, we're so happy to have you in the blank family, like insert your brand name family. Here's what you can expect. Your product will be shipped out in two to three days. We use USPS, like check your email for tracking or something. And just like other fun things, like tell them a story about the founder of your brand, like tell a story. You know, I remember once I got 
an order. I bought a product from a brand called Faithful and I found them somehow. I was looking for a wedding dress or something and I bought the product. I got it in the mail and I got an email from them and it was like talking about the story of how all the products are handmade in Bali. And I was like, oh my God, I had no idea. And the second I got that email, I was like, wow, this brand is really, really cool. Like I actually had no idea. So don't assume that people know anything about you because they probably don't. And then in your post-purchase emails, like you invite them, remind them, hey, did you get your box in the mail? When you get it, like we would love to see a picture of you wearing the product, you using the product, unboxing the product. And each month we choose one person that wins a free product or something. So you can tag us here. And you can kind of just send a series of emails that like encourage them to post on social media, encourage them to leave a review for your product. And like, don't be afraid to ask your customers to do things for you. The reason they're not doing anything for you is because you're not asking them, you know? But like, if you have a customer referral program, like, hey, did you know that you can win a free t-shirt every month? Here's how. Join our referral program. So kind of like these things here make people feel connected because once they get that email, they post about you on social media, then of course you have to do your job and comment on those pictures, reply to those messages and be like, oh my gosh, like, thank you so much for tagging us. This picture is beautiful. Do you mind if we use this on our Instagram feed or in our email marketing or something? Now you're getting user-generated content from them. So these are some things that you can do to make customers feel connected to your brand. And when customers feel connected to your brand, they're more likely to buy from you. They're more likely to post on social media. They're more likely to refer friends and family. And these are small things. And the best part of the whole email marketing situation is that that's a you set that up one time and it completely works for you automatically. So those are some really, really, really easy ways to get customers to feel connected, to build community on social media, and just get them to kind of buy more and refer friends. And most of it's completely automated. If it's your packaging, that's sent out once and that's created once. And then your emails are completely created once too. So those are a few things that people can do to kind of get started with like creating a brand that people are obsessed with. Yeah. I think that that's great advice. And I I think it's really important for anyone because some of those things for people that are listening, like email follow-up sequences are going to be different if the purchase is done on Etsy because, you know, and I mean, this is where you get into like selling on a platform versus having your own website. And part of the benefit of having your own website is having more control over that customer information. But, you know, I have talked extensively about email marketing on here, even in terms of like getting those people from Etsy off of Etsy to your own website and those kinds of things. So yeah, so if you only have an Etsy site, it's going to be a little harder to do that. But I still think there's an opportunity to really think through the buyer's journey and how you can expand from, you know, just a one-off purchase to... For me, one thing I was thinking, Carrie, while you were telling this or talking about that is that my items are like highly giftable. So I would say probably 80% of what I sell is sent as a gift. And so I thought about that strategically of like, how do I then make, you know, I have the original buyer who's buying the thing and then they're sending it to the person who is then another potential buyer. So for every person that comes into my shop... I'm getting in front of two people. So I think that for anybody, whether you're selling on Etsy or your own website or both, thinking through like how you can take those people and, you know, retain them as customers, but then also use their base of people to expand your business as well. is really important. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's like the gifting side of things is such a good opportunity. And I love that you like didn't just say, oh, okay, well, it's like a one-time thing. Like how can I make the experience fun for that person who's receiving the gift and then get them to want to buy my product as a gift for someone else? I love that. Yeah. And I can't even tell you how many reviews I've gotten that have said, somebody bought this for me as a baby gift. And then I buy it for all my friends now. Like, and that's not just like one-off review. Like I get that over and over and over again. <laughs> and so yeah, like, that's awesome. There's always people having babies. <laughs> I think that that is a lot of information that we have packed into this episode and people have a lot to think about in terms of how they're going to you know, look at those places where their business is growing and their marketing is growing and the ways that they can engage with people. But also, I really like what you have stressed throughout all of this, which is basically like build a connection with people versus just like selling them whatever they happen to be buying this one time and then you never want to talk to them again. (laughs) So really working on building that connection online, even though it's a brand versus like, you know, selling a service or something that that opportunity is still there. I think that this is a really good reminder. Yeah, I totally agree. (laughs) Well, Carrie, if people are looking for you or more information about you, how to learn from you, where can they find you? So you can find me on, um, I think Instagram is always an easy place. It's Carrie.a.fitzgerald and it's K-E-R-R-I-E and that's on Instagram. You can head over to my website, which is CarrieFitzgerald.com. And I have um, a YouTube channel, which is Carrie Fitzgerald, I think one, I don't know why there's a one at the end, but yeah. So I think those are some good places to find me and definitely come on and say hello and let me know that you listened to our podcast and hopefully you liked it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing all your knowledge and your story and everything with us. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lauren. So happy to be here. I will see you next week back here on the podcast. Same time, same place. Bye for now.